Well, just before we open God's word this morning, we'll just bow in prayer, so let us pray. <clears throat> Lord God, as we come to open your word this morning, our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will quieten our minds, that it will help us each one to see the truths contained within its pages. And may we each one be open and willing to apply the lessons which we have will learn to our own lives. And we would pray that they might be helpful to us and so that we will be able to live a life which is more God-pleasing and which is more honouring to your holy name. And so we do ask all these things in your precious holy name. Amen. Well, over the past few months, we've been looking at the life of Abraham. And there's been that recurring promise given by God that through Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And immediately, this causes us to think of Abraham's greatest descendant, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ who came to die that we might live. But there are two other ways in which the nations of the earth are blessed. And we see this in the passage which we're going to consider today, that passage from Genesis chapter 18, which was read to us. And firstly, we see that Abraham and his offspring were set apart by God were set apart to promote righteousness while living in the midst of nations. And then we see Abraham pleading with God for the righteous ones living in Sodom. Well, first of all, thinking of how Abraham was set apart to promote righteousness where he was living, we see like in verse 19 where it says that he was chosen by God to direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by living righteous and just lives so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what the Lord has promised him. Well, as we know, Abraham and Israel after him were set apart as a holy people. They were to keep God's law. And this they were to do both personally and as a nation. The Lord who called them is perfectly righteous and just. And so if the Lord is their God, and if he is righteous, then they, as his people, should be righteous too. Abraham and Israel were to preserve and promote righteousness and holy living in the world around the surrounding nations. They were to be a witness to the holiness of their Lord God. As we know, Israel tried to be faithful and set apart for their God. But as we have seen in reading God's word in the Old Testament, that there were times they succeeded and then there were times when they failed. 
And likewise, in the New Testament, we see the same command to us, God's people. Because it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, But as he who called you is holy, you also must be holy in all your conducts, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Well, the people of God are to do right and be holy because they belong to a God who is perfectly holy, to a God who always does right. We are called to be a witness by the way we live, and we are to honour our God with our neighbours and the people we work with and meet in the course of our day. And in many various ways in scripture, we are called, as we have heard already this morning, we are called to be like salt or a shining light. We are to be a witness to the righteous and just God we serve and to pass it on to succeeding generations. And this theme of righteousness and justice is interwoven into the second theme of the passage. And that is that of intercession for others. Well, to set the scene, you may remember that in the previous verses of chapter 18, which we looked at a few weeks ago, Abraham and Sarah had shown hospitality to those three, three men under the great trees of memory. And it was here they were told that in a year's time their son would be born. And two of these men were angels. The other was the Lord himself, though Abraham didn't know it at first. And when it was time to leave, Abraham accompanied these three men for a while. And while walking together, we see in verses 17 and 18 that the Lord said, Well, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through him. So we see that the Lord esteemed Abraham to be worthy to hear what he was about to do. He did this so that Abraham might participate in his plan. And then the Lord then revealed to Abraham his intent. And what was his intent? Well, it was his intent to deal with the terrible sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. And this compelled Abraham to plead on behalf of these people. And it's not stated just directly, but Abraham seems to know what the Lord was about to do. He realised that the Lord was about to pour out his wrath on these sinful cities and their inhabitants. Well, Abraham's attitude 
was one of concern. And he asked the Lord for mercy. And as he looked down on these cities, he felt concerned. He felt concerned for Lot and his family and the righteous people who he thought would live there. And so he pleads with God to spare Sodom from destruction. And he pleaded on the basis of the Lord's righteousness. Because we see in verses uh, 23 to 26 of our reading, and these verses tells us, then Abraham drew near and he said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? And then he goes on to say, Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fear as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is judge? Just. Do what is just. And then the Lord said, Well, if I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. And as we saw, well, eventually Abraham asks God to spare the city even if there could be found as few as ten righteous people. And God in his mercy is willing to spare the sinful majority for the sake of of ten righteous, if they can be found. And we see how how Abraham's compassion for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, how it reveals the heart of a man who cared greatly for others. As we know, ultimately, Lot and his daughters are saved because of God's mercy and saved because of God's covenant commitment to Abraham. Well, Abraham knew that the Lord was the judge of all the earth that he was perfectly righteous and just. And so he appealed to God on this basis. And this destruction of Sodom, well, it becomes an example of God's judgment on sin. And like Abraham, we're called to have great compassion for others. Although Abraham's mediatorial work did not result in the sparing of the cities, it did bring about the rescue of Abraham's nephew Lot and his two daughters. And this shows that Abraham's prayers on behalf of others were important. And you know, our prayers today are just as important Are you as concerned for the lost as Abraham was? When you look out on the world, do you feel compelled to pray? 
To ask the Lord to have mercy on those who don't know God. Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. Christ Jesus intercedes for us at the right hand of God. Then does it not follow that we too are to take up the role of intercession for those who do not yet know the Lord? And this is spelled out further in 1 Timothy chapter 2 where we have these words. First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Saviour who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Well, Abraham was called to intercede. And as one commentator has said, Abraham is one of the first great intercessors in the Bible. The intercession of Abraham is the first prayer that the Bible records and is one of the most remarkable. Well, if we are one of Abraham's offspring having been clothed with the righteousness of Christ through faith in his name, let us also be faithful to intercede, to plead and to pray for the lost. Well, as we draw to a close this series of sermons on Abraham, I just want to spend a few moments looking at the attributes he showed during his life the attributes which we have been thinking about and looking at. And I want to just look at the legacy which Abraham left behind. Genesis 25 verse 7 tells us that Abraham died at the good old age of 175 and that he was gathered to his people. Well, what does the phrase gathered to his people, really mean? Well, it doesn't mean that he was laid to rest with his people in Mesopotamia because, well, we're specifically told that he was buried in the cave at Machpelah, which he had previous, previously bought and then buried his wife, Sarah, about 38 years previously. But it does mean that Abraham was gathered to those before him who had exercised faith in God. He was with those righteous ones who all through that intervening time of history had been walking with God. Well, there was Enoch, Noah, just some of the examples of such men who learned to know the living God. 
And those are Abraham's people. And those who are our fellow believers today are the ones to whom we are spiritually bound in Christ. And we are bound with, in Christ along with those who have passed away into the presence of the Lord. So there is a sense of completion about the ending of Abraham's life. It says he died full of years. The years appointed to him were complete. Abraham's life had achieved the purpose for which God brought him into being. And as we have previously seen, he did have some human lapses. However, if we repent and submit our hearts to follow Jesus, he will forgive our sins and fallibility, and he will weave our lives into the tapestry of divine history. Abram, he could look back with no regret. He had steadily pursued the vision which God had for him and would know that God's will for him had been fulfilled. And in Joshua 23 and verse 14, as Joshua's earthly life was drawing to an end, we see him saying, Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. And Abraham could have echoed these words. And blessed are all those who are descendants of Abraham and who, at the coming to the end of their lives, know the same as Abraham did, that God has led them all the way, that God has kept all his promises. Well, none of the lives recorded in the Old Testament made a deeper impression or became more prominent in the days that followed than that of Abraham. His position as the founder of the Jewish nation and his character as the pattern for believers in all ages, well, all these things have given him an important place in the Bible. Abram's life was a blessing to many. God made this ordinary man an extraordinary person whose life reached beyond the realms of earth. It reached out into eternity. His life was one of blessing, fellowship and fullness. And his life didn't end 4,000 years ago. As we read, Abraham was the father of many nations physically. And also we, we read in that reading from Hebrews 11 this morning that he had many descendants, as numerous as the stars in the sky 
and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And he also had a spiritual legacy, a timeless example of a faith-filled life carried on by his spiritual descendants. In Genesis 12, where Abraham is first mentioned, we saw God saying, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Well, this is an unfulfilled promise when Abraham's death is recorded in Genesis 25. But it's now been ultimately fulfilled in the latter son of Abraham. It has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Because Matthew's Gospel, it starts with these words. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Therefore, Jesus, the son of Abraham, fulfills Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, that through Abraham's offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. If we submit and accept Jesus Christ, the descendant of Abraham, as our Saviour and Lord, we can experience, like Abraham did, life's choicest privilege, which is to be lifted up into union with God and into fellowship with his divine purpose of blessing for the world. We're lifted out of the mire of sin and we're raised to a position of high privilege. Abraham's life was based upon God's covenant with him personally. And one commentator which I saw summed up the life of Abraham by saying, a humble, consistent, earnest life lived to the praise of God is the greatest life that can be lived. And this, on the whole, was the characteristic of Abraham's life. He witnessed the reality of God and his grace. He had faith, faith believing God's word and trusting God himself. And then he goes on to say, this commentator, faith rests on God, receives from God, responds to God, relies on God, rejoices in God, and reproduces his life and character. A life lived in the consciousness of the everlasting covenant made between God the Father and God's Son, Jesus Christ, and sealed by the Holy Spirit, makes for a life lived walking close to God, trusting him in all circumstances. And this really sums up the life of Abraham. And as those who f follow Christ, we've got to remember 
that we are spiritual descendants of Abraham. We are covered by the righteousness of Christ through faith in his name. So let us be faithful to promote righteousness and justice in the world. May we live holy lives and may we remember that we are prayerfully to plead for and intercede for those who are lost, that we are to intercede for the furtherance of God's kingdom. These are all things which we are to remember because we are spiritual descendants of Abraham if we follow Christ. So that is really a summary of the life of Abraham. And I trust that as you think of Abraham, you can think of the lessons which he showed to us and applied those lessons to our own lives. So we'll just come before God in prayer. So let us pray. Lord God, we do thank you that through what Abraham's greatest descendant, the Lord Jesus Christ, did on the cross, that we can have fellowship with you. And our prayer is that we might reflect on the life of Abraham, that we might display in our lives the godly practices that he demonstrated. May we each one strive to promote righteous living and justice in the world. May we each one spend time in prayer for those who are lost, those who are needing to submit their lives to our wonderful Saviour, Jesus Christ our Lord. And we would ask that you would help us to remember those attributes which Abraham showed and that we might display them, each one, in our own lives. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.